Okay, welcome to the Accelerators podcast. Uh, we're doing a special episode on a brand new article um, by Dr. Dove and others about um, osteoarthritis uh, being treated with radiation. Um, I'm going to introduce uh, the uh, first author. It's Dr. Austin Dove. Uh, he's a resident at uh, Vanderbilt University Medical Center. And uh, tell us about yourself, Austin. Well, thanks for having me on your podcast. Uh, I've I've had a fun time listening to previous episodes, so it's uh, it's great to be with you today. Um, so I'm a like you like you mentioned, I'm a resident here at Vanderbilt in Nashville. Uh, I grew up in uh, Memphis. Uh, I'm uh, married with three kids, uh, three under three, and uh, am uh, really enjoying uh, being a resident. Things are things are good. Three kids under three, so you are a sucker for pain. <laughs> Life is always uh, it's it's been very very fun and busy. I must say, last last couple of years. Yeah, we were at two under two, and you know, honestly, I, I would love the third one, but um, it's not completely my decision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it was a uh, you know going from from playing man to zone has been has been a change from two to three, but things are good. Cool. Well, let's let's just dive right in. Um, this is a topic of great interest to me. Uh, part of it is because I love new indications for radiation. Uh, second issue is arthritis. It's something that many, many millions of Americans deal with. And there honestly isn't that great treatments. Um, my dad has lived with it for decades. It really impacts his quality of life, uh, ability to do things, um, range of motion, and you know, all this kind of stuff. The other thing is that radiation oncology, you know, in my opinion, is in a bit of a uh, crossroads with um, the math. The, the math is bad for us. And we do need to increase the number of patients that we can treat with our amazing technology. Um, and so adding something like osteoarthritis, if it works, if it's effective, if it's, uh, you know, not toxic, this is something that's great for us. And I, I, I did, I, I said reflexively at radiation oncology, but I do like to think of what we do as radiation medicine. And I think, you mm. know, a lot of us should kind of push that aspect of it, that it's not just for cancer, uh, even if that's primarily what we do. So yeah, let's, let's, let's get into it. Tell, tell me about this article. Yeah. So I, you know, similarly, I, uh, my mother has had osteoarthritis for several years now and, uh, ended up having bilateral uh, hip replacements because of it. So, um, I, I as well have had some family members, uh, suffer from it. And, uh, funny enough, my brother is actually an orthopedic surgeon uh, and so, uh, you know, one thing that uh, sort of sparked this idea of investigating or looking into uh, osteoarthritis was just because of how close to home it sort of hit. The other thing, um, so, you know, what's been needed here being a resident at Vanderbilt is we've, uh, we, we treat a lot of, quote, benign. I, I kind of think benign is a misnomer just because you know, the, the patients that are suffering from conditions that really affect quality of life, I don't think that, you know, they would consider it benign. But, um, you know, we, we are lucky to treat a lot of uh, non-oncologic disease here. And so one of the things that uh, sort of led to this article was uh, 
you know, looking at some of the other indications that we've used. And I came up, came across a book that was published, oh, probably 15 years ago, and they had a chapter on osteoarthritis. So it really caught my attention. Uh, and so looking more into it, I, I stumbled uh, upon it and, and found that, you know, in Germany, this is actually a very common treatment over, at least in radiation oncology facilities, at least over 15,000 patients get treated each year. And, uh, you know, have, have been, they've been doing that for, for decades. And so it really struck me as odd that I had never heard of this as being a condition that, that was treated in the United States. And so this led to about a year long, uh, sort of investigation into the literature. And, uh, from that, I, you know, with our other authors, we, we decided to write a review paper on it just because it, the data on it, and especially in the last five years, there's been a lot of recent literature published. It just is so encouraging for, for, as you mentioned, a condition that really doesn't have a lot of great, uh, non-aggressive, non-interventional options. So, um, just, Thinking about the scope, I, I think that 15,000 number, we, we talked about this offline, like, I don't know if yeah. that's accurate. I think that could be a pretty significant underestimation. But if you go by the population in Germany, uh, which is about one fourth uh, to one fifth ours, our size of United States, um, if they're treating, you know, 15,000 and we have a population of four to five times more than that, that would be 60 to 75,000 additional patients that we could be treating in the United States. If you say there's 5,000 radiation oncologists, and uh, if everybody happened to be a generalist, we're talking about 12 new patients per, per doctor um, nationally. So, yeah. I mean, that, that would in, increase our workload as well as, you know, potentially do something great for a huge number of patients. Um, and I mean, the, the incidence of osteoarthritis in the United States is staggering, right? Crazy. Like if, Crazy. Yeah. 32 million uh, are estimated to be affected. Uh, And, you know, that number obviously is expected to continue to rise. You mentioned about 60,000 patients. If you did the math, you know, that's as many prostate cancer patients that are treated in the United States every year with radiation. So we're talking about really, as you mentioned, really significant numbers. Um, The other thing, you know, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, if you're saying 32 million, if only 1% got radiation, that would be 325,000. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, so that would be that would be an incredible, um, incredible opportunity if, if the treatment. Okay, well, uh, let's dive into a little bit of the history of sure. the treatment, because um, I like that part of the article. It's actually really fascinating when these articles get into... Uh, uh, the uh, historic use of RT. I, I love that. And then um, tell me a little bit about efficacy after that too. Sure. Yeah. So history, it is, it is fascinating. I, you know, as we all know, uh, radiation started to be used therapeutically about, you know, 1895 or so the first treatment for osteoarthritis was actually in 1898. So really quickly came on the scene. Um, and Historically, you know, it was used uh, for a long time up until really the the 60s and 70s. And one of the challenges uh, with, you know, our understanding, especially at that time with with how these treatments 
you know, best utilized was poor. And there were several trials that uh, two in particular in, in the 1970s that didn't show a benefit, uh, you know, randomized trials with 300 patients. There are a lot of issues, obviously, with those trials. One, the biggest being, though, is the dose they used was not the same radiation dose that is recommended and used currently. It was about, you know, uh, almost double the dose. And so um, the the mechanism for, and we'll talk, I'm assuming we'll, we can get into that a little bit, just how the anti-inflammatory mechanism of low-dose radiation works is quite different than sort of our traditional uh, conventional dosing um, for cancers, for example. Um, the other challenge was, uh, you know, here at sort of at a similar time, um, a lot of the NSAIDs and other types of medications that are currently used in treatment really sort of hit the scene and, and became more popular. And so, uh, and then the, the third thing was around this time too, um, more information or, or understanding of the potential um, carcinogenic effects of radiation and exposure started to improve, or at least the, you know, after the atomic bomb survivors, uh, you know, looking at that data, it really, you know, became something where things were uh, really, you know, everyone took a sort of a step back and reevaluated, you know, in what conditions is the risk versus a reward for radiation and the risk of secondary malignancy trying to find, find a balance. So around that time, at least in the United States, uh, the the use of radiation for osteoarthritis drastically declined, and uh, you know it's it's interesting because in in other countries uh, you know it's still still continued, but the level of evidence really wasn't great. And so in 1995, in Germany, the German uh, equivalent of Astro uh, called Degro. Um, they actually created a committee to reevaluate and analyze and critically evaluate uh, the level of evidence for certain indications of radiation for benign disease. And they, they did a lot of patterns of care surveys. And uh, along with this committee, they actually devised the first uh, guideline for the use of radiation in benign disease. And along with that, they sort of made the uh, the initiative to try to expand on the literature for these indications to try to strengthen the literature. And so over the last 30 years, what we've seen is a at least coming out of Germany is a lot of really, you know, a lot stronger evidence for the use of low dose radiation for osteoarthritis. And in the last really five years, and we sort of outlined this in our our review paper, there've been a lot of, uh, you know, observational, both prospective and retrospective data that really shows uh, that this potentially could be very beneficial for certain patients. And usually what we're seeing in, in the challenge with, you know, any sort of new indication for a treatment is to try to figure out which patient's benefit, if any patients benefit, and, uh, and to try to, um, you know, study that in an appropriate way. But, but what the, the, at least in the last 10 years, what most re- of the data shows is efficacy in the range of about 60 to 90 percent 
And um, that that's at like 12 months and potentially, at least according to the German guidelines, um, you know, efficacy for those who have a response, uh, about 80% will, will have that response for about two years. And then about 50% will have that response uh, for about five years. And that's, that's incredible. I, I know the randomized trials aren't as strong, I would say. You know, I, I, I looked at it too, and I've talked to you about it. I've talked to a couple of your other co-authors about it. I, I don't find that the randomized trials are compelling. They, they seem to me less compelling than the data that's been uh, a, you know, accrued by the Germans. Um, and that the way you read their approach is this works. This is something that we do. This is in our ladder of treatments for osteoarthritis. And, you know, I, I'm not foregoing um, the idea of doing randomized control trials. I think we certainly should do that in the United States, but I think we have to do it thoughtfully because Agreed. there's a risk of, if you do this wrong, we're going to um, potentially lose a great modality of treatment for these patients. You bring up a, you bring up an excellent point. So in 2018, um, there were two studies that were published looking at sham radiation versus low-dose radiation in the Netherlands. And um, they treated both hand and one, one of the trials was for hand. One of the trials was for knee. And in the radiation arm, they had about 20 patients, 25 patients in each arm, uh, and then 25 in the sham. And they had powered the study to show a 40% difference. Um, and uh, what, they, what they showed, uh, you know, and it was a well-done trial in the sense of, uh, you know, how it was carried out. I mean, it, it would be very difficult to carry out a sham radiation trial. Um, but the, you know, and it didn't show a big, it didn't show statistically significant difference between the two arms. But one of, you know, in sort of response to that data that was published, the uh, DEGRO, actually, the German group actually uh, published a rebuttal, more or less. And there are several things that they point out that I think really does make uh, you question, you know, at least the significance of those trials. And a few of those points were, one, the radiation dose they used was not the radiation dose that's typically used in Germany. It, it was about double the dose. Um, another, another challenging aspect is purely just the numbers. I mean, when you only treat 20 patients with radiation, it's going to be hard to show, uh, you know, in a, in a study, uh, you know, it's just sort of a not ideal number of patients, obviously. Uh, and then the other thing is that really, I, I think is overlooked in a lot of situations is the, in the trial, they did not allow for re-irradiation. So uh, something that's been uh, shown is that at, at 12 weeks, if a patient doesn't have a response, um, a lot of more recent, more current studies have been allowing a, a re-irradiation at that 12 weeks. And for example, uh, in last year, uh, there was a Spanish group that published a uh, study looking at hand osteoarthritis for 100 patients. And what they showed was that 94% of patients had a response, 94%, which yeah, is pretty crazy. I, I saw that you you posted that on Twitter, and I, I looked up that paper as well. And, you know, again, I, I, I'm in a community as many of us are, but I'm in an older community in the uh, outside, you know, about an hour outside of Detroit, we have, a, most of our patients are 70 plus to begin with cancer or not. And 
94%, yes, again, it's single arm and like there's, of course, the caveats, but even very few placebos or anything is going to have that sort of effect. And so it's a, it's a pretty compelling number. So pretty substantial. And then 50% of those required re-irradiation. So I guess the point being that about 50% of those people would not have technically shown a response if they didn't have the re-irradiation. Yeah. And this is that's the, to the point of doing these trials correctly, treating like the Germans treat. Like if we're going to exactly. do something completely different, it doesn't make any sense. Um, I, I just mentioned placebo for a second. This is something we talked to, we, we spoke on the phone about. I, I told you over the last few decades, um, it's become more mainstream in the, uh, in, in the news media about uh, discussing placebos in German medicine. They really love placebos there. They feel like they work and they prescribe them uh, not as part of a study, but if a patient's having symptoms of, you know, back pain or something like that, the doctor will say, okay, I'm going to give you some sugar pills and they write it and some of the patients get better. And I find that to be kind of interesting. Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a, that's a fascinating uh, discussion. I, I, I'll be honest, I wasn't aware of that before we had, had talked about it a little bit. Uh, so, so that was new, new to me and, and it led me to look into a little bit more. Um, you know, I think the idea of a placebo and pain specifically is a very complex topic, uh, because I think pain itself is, is a very complex topic. Um, so I, I don't know. I, that's, that's a really fascinating thing. I would say, you know, in our culture, we do have some of our own, I guess, things that, that, uh, you know, Americans do that doesn't have a lot of data that uh, people will swear by. Um, you know, I think about the vitamin industry and all the unregulated and unregulated FDA products that are sold over the counter and promising all sorts of of things. So it is, it is interesting. I think, I think people are always looking for, uh, you know, cures to ailments. And I think that's why it's so important for us as, you know, folks in medicine to really uh, critically evaluate, uh, you know, new, new treatment modalities. So I think that for, you know, looking, looking in the future for osteoarthritis with low dose radiation, I think it's important for us to really critically evaluate it. And um, to like the Germans did 30 years ago to make an effort to, um, you know, see if it holds up to uh, the test. I mean, I I think that, you know, it it does have a lot of good evidence outside the United States. But I think this should be an encouragement for us that we should uh, we should investigate it and uh, prospectively investigate it. Yeah, I think it makes sense. I think it makes sense. So give me. What what sorts of patients would you consider treating? I guess like uh, w- within your practice, and I know you're a resident, but sure, you know, you're formulating your ideas on how you want to do this. Like what what sort of what's a classic patient for something like this? I think that's a great question. So I think you know in the German guidelines, uh, they specifically state that due to the ri- the potential risk of secondary malignancy, they would not recommend any treatment under the age of forty. Uh, I think. Uh, you know, for, for my, in my mind, I think the, the sort of ideal candidate is someone who honestly is someone who doesn't, doesn't really have a lot of other options. So, um, and currently we're actually working on opening up the trial here uh, at Vanderbilt. 
Um, and uh, for us, you know, I think trying to figure out the, the patient population that could potentially benefit, but also doesn't have a lot of other treatment options. And so um, I think a patient who is older, um, who, you know, has been refractory to medications or is at risk of either, you know, having complications related to NSAIDs uh, and then patients that really don't have other options, don't have surgical options, don't have other interventional options. I think those would currently be the ideal patients. I think in the future, you know, if, if the evidence is uh, sort of built upon, I think, you know, we could see radiation being something that's used before, you know, consideration for surgical intervention. I think that ideally long-term could be, you know, a good landing spot. Um, but currently, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking an older patient who, uh, is, you know, having refractory pain without really a lot of other options or, uh, you know, other things to do. Cool. I'm going to, I'm going to oral examine you this on this then. <laughs> okay. 72 year old lady with no major medical problems who's beginning to have progressive pain in her left knee. This has been going on for some time. She's taken some NSAIDs, but her stomach hurts. She's very wary about surgery as she uh, plays tennis often, and she kind of doesn't want to be out of commission for a while. So she heard that recently there was this publication uh, by a famous Dr. Dove who talked about radiation as an option, and she comes into your office. Love it. All right. So, uh, you know, obviously, you know, I think the biggest thing is, making sure that these patients have seen uh, other potential providers who can offer other treatments. And so I just care. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, I think the biggest thing for us to really legitimize our treatment is to collaborate with rheumatologists and orthopedic surgeons and pain medicine doctors and once once we are able to sort of break in and collaborate with them, I think that's when radiation potentially could find its place in a refractory setting. And I think potentially could be something where we start seeing more referrals. So for this patient, I think that would be a first step is to, to ensure that she has been worked up and uh, been appropriately seen. At that point, you know, I think then talking to her potentially about doing uh, a short course of low-dose radiation that has just about no acute side effects with a very, very low risk of uh, secondary malignancy. Honestly, in her, the effective dose, there's a paper that was published in the Green Journal in 2005 that looks at sort of risk of secondary cancers related to low-dose radiation. So for her, for hand osteoarthritis, it's probably about a third of the risk of, or at least a third of the effective dose as a, a CT chest abdomen and pelvis. So I think it would be a great option for someone like this. So how, how do you treat this patient? So there's a lot of different ways uh, to consider treatment for, you know, osteoarthritis. There are two um, contouring guidelines or treatment guidelines that have been published. One is within the German guidelines. The other is within the, um, Spanish, uh, Spanish recently published uh, a very nice 3D atlas. But I think for this patient, the easiest way to do it would, at least this is how we outlined it in our uh, paper, would be 
to clinically set them up um, and using light fields to ensure, you know, that they have have appropriate fields. Uh, I think, you know, you would want to include the whole hand and the wrist. Um, and then you could treat with a single um, PA beam. Um, That's for a hand. All right. Um, sorry, I, I initially was talking about a, a knee, but. Oh, a knee. Yeah. So for a knee, I think you could, honestly, I would probably send the patient um, yeah. just to ensure that, uh, you know, the dose that we're getting since the knee's a little thicker um, is, uh, you know, that we're getting the dose that we want. Okay. So you would CT simulate it and <clears throat> there are some guidelines. There are. Through. Yes. Right. And then we talked about the, what dose do you guys? Uh, 0.5 gray per fraction for a total of uh, three gray. And we give the treatment there. There are t- really two different ways to do it either every other day, or, um, you know, you can do it twice weekly. So I, the, typically the Germans do it twice weekly. So I, I would do it twice weekly. Twice weekly. Okay. And you said um, toxicity wise, there, there appears to be nothing, right? Like these it's crazy. Yeah. All the, all the data that's been published, that's looked at, you know, toxicity during the treatment there out of all the studies that, you know, are in our review paper, there was one patient with some, uh, a little bit of erythema that, you know, was patient reported. So out of thousands of patients, no toxicities. That's fantastic. Uh, what other, what other benign indications for radiation? I mean, yeah, but benign indications for radiation do you have in mind in the future? It's a great question. Uh, you know, there, there are a lot of, uh, things I've thought about. Um, and I think there's, there's definitely some growing interest in uh, some treatments, for example, I know that there's a, there's a trial open, uh, I think at Beaumont, William Beaumont, looking at, uh, Alzheimer's, uh, oh, wow. low radiation for Alzheimer's, um, which is really fascinating. Um, I think, you know, there, there is some data, obviously there's actually really good data on plantar fasciitis. Uh, there's actually a randomized trial looking at plantar fasciitis com- com- using low dose radiation compared to uh, steroid injection that showed a benefit uh, in favor of uh, low dose radiation. The literature is very, very uh, strong for plantar fasciitis. I'm very surprised that this is not picking up. I know a couple of docs nationally doing it, um, but it is by no means the number of people that, you know, my cousin's podiatrist. Um, oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. And, you know, I've talked to him about it. Like he's, a, he doesn't live anywhere near me. So, but I've mentioned it and, you know, he wasn't aware of it and it's just like, it doesn't come to their mind. Like, yeah. what, do, what do we do to, to get them to send the patient? I know it. I know it. I, I, and I think that goes back to, I, I think for us to be able to break into other indications that aren't oncologically related, we really have to collaborate with some of these other specialties to get really just to spread the word of radiation being a potential option. Um, you know, one thing that I've thought of that I, I think is a little more uh, less understood, but it, it is something that I, you know, we're talking about treating pain with low dose radiation. It makes me think of, uh, for example, breast can- cancer patients or prostate patients who have arthralgias related to, uh, you know, their hormone therapy. And it, it kind of makes you wonder, you know, and, and obviously this would be totally sort of off the wall, but uh, using low dose radiation to, to try to keep them on their hormone therapy. Um, that is really clever. That's an interesting idea. 
And at these doses, we're just not seeing side effects or second malignancy. Oh, sorry, second malignancy data. What, what do we have there? Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. So, um, you know, in the German guidelines, they, they clearly state that there has never been a secondary malignancy related to low-dose radiation for osteoarthritis. So out of the hundreds of thousands of patients they've treated, they've never seen it. Now, granted, their follow-up time, you know, it's, it's hard to know, you know, how long, you know, all these patients are being followed, especially with shorter life expectancies being an older age, but there's never been a reported case. Um, there have, as I mentioned, uh, in the Green Journal, there's a really nice article on secondary malignancy risk related to low-dose radiation and other benign indications. I think the bottom line is a lot of it just depends on anatomical site. So, you know, there are, you know, if you're talking about treating and age, if you're if you're talking about treating a patient who's 20 and treating in a in a place where you have sensitive organs such as the lung, so like the shoulder, for example, their theoretical risk of secondary malignancy is just going to be higher than a hand or a knee, especially in a younger patient. Um, the in the paper, the, for, they do some calculated risks, and for a knee, for example, using a total of three gray and 0.5 gray per fraction, the risk is one third uh, the effective dose as a CT chest abdomen pelvis. So extremely low. Um, I think, you know, for me, I, I think that for patients that are older who you're talking about treating an extremity, the risk is so low that it really almost isn't something that I think would, would be significant enough to be that concerned. It would be something in a younger patient for sure. And I think if you were treating us, you know, less of an extremity, but when you're talking about treating, you know, a hand or a knee, I think the, the risk is so low that, uh, you know, the benefit, the potential benefit significantly outweighs the risk. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I, I've yet to treat my first patient. Um, we are working on it. We are doing some community outreach um, uh, about this. We're going to put, put together some programs and talk to our local orthopedist um, as well as podiatrist about both osteoarthritis and plantar fasciitis. So I, I think I, I think you guys did a wonderful job. This is a this is you know it's it's not a prospective study, but it's ground groundbreaking in its own right because we've needed this sort of. Um, in-depth discussion and understanding of what we can do for this major calamity of, you know, of the American public. And I think, I think I'm excited. Hopefully, hopefully we get good news with the prospective trials in the future. But I, I would say my personal practice, I'm comfortable enough to offer it in patients with, um, with, you know, even without contraindications to taking NSAIDs, because like, who wants to take a pill all the time? If we can That's get so true. So true. Yeah. Are we going to do a little lightning round here? Right? All right. It's, uh, should be fun. All right. <laughs> You've lived in both. What's better, Memphis or Nashville? Oh, tough question. Uh, I'm going to say Memphis. Okay. Give me two sentences on why. Uh, great question. Uh, Memphis Grizzlies and uh, the great grind culture of Memphis. <laughs> okay. What's that mean? So that, that's hilarious. That's a phrase uh, that uh, the Grizzlies use. Uh, it's basically meaning like uh, a hustle culture. Okay. So uh, sort of like grit 
I, it's uh, <laughs> it's a little tough to explain, but um, basically, it just means hardworking. Okay, okay. And who who's your uh, who's your favorite Grizzly right now? Oh, it's got to be Ja Ja Morant. Okay, and uh, past Grizzlies. Oh, my, I love Mike Conley. All right, and Zebo Zebo was obviously great too. Yeah. Uh, Shane Batty, you played for them a little bit? He did. Way, way back in the day, he did. I think 2001, 2003, somewhere around there. So we we graduated the same year, and I ran into him party when I was a senior in high school. No way, really? Yeah. He, um, he went to Detroit Country Day, which is one of our local uh, private school, prep school. And I tell you, this is the – this even at 18, the, the – kindness of this young man like he was just so cool and you know he's mm-hmm. about to put a duke and he's a big deal and he's just like this real chill guy only guy there at the party not drinking you know oh uh, wow yeah I, re- I i enjoyed um i just had a very short conversation with the guy but i liked him all right memphis barbecue versus nashville hot chicken oh memphis barbecue wow that was too easy for you yeah, that was too easy <laughs> not a big hot chicken person i think it's a little overrated to be honest Mm, we might have some words after this. <laughs> Do you think after following the publication of your article, uh, more radiation therapists will be open to treating benign disease? I sure hope so. I, I think that was one of the big things that, that sort of led us to push this forward. Um, I think that, you know, I, I, there's a blueprint out there in several other countries. I think obviously Germany itself is a, is a great Example, but even in the UK, uh, they their sort of formal organizations have come up with a uh, you know consensus guidelines, and I think that's something that's lacking in the US. Any more kids? Oh, good question. <laughs> like you mentioned earlier, it's not always up to me. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's just the joy of a house full of kids, but yeah. <laughs> primary the primary caregiving parent definitely has to do the brunt of the work and it's much harder than that for for me who works outside the house um what specialty other than radiation oncology would you have considered orthopedic surgery okay that makes sense seeing this uh this is your project (laughs) um being in nashville are you a country music fan yeah i like country music grew up listening to it more like Johnny Cash era or more modern country? Uh, more modern. I, I actually went to college with uh, Thomas Rhett. I don't know him well. He was oh. a couple of years older, but we were in the same fraternity. Thomas Rhett's good. Okay. Is Taylor Swift country? No. Nah. No? Was she country? Uh, I think she tried to come off as, you know, a country artist for a little bit, but I think her, you know, her main audience was more more mainstream than country. Give me one idea to strengthen radiation oncology education. Ooh, so we're actually working on a great project right now that actually got accepted by Roqseg, uh, and it is a weekly plan review uh, with uh, one attending who presents their most challenging case that you know they've been working on, and we start from the beginning with contouring and go through it all uh, and critically evaluate the plan, talk about plans they rejected, and we do it once a week, and it's been wonderful. I love that. That's fantastic. Give me one idea to strengthen the field and the specialty in general. 
Great question. I think that uh, re-examining potential benign indications, I think that really potentially could be a big thing. I mean, I just think about osteoarthritis, but not only osteoarthritis, there's so many indications that I think uh, haven't been explored or have been overlooked. I think about the VTAC stuff. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of exciting stuff that, uh, I think if we sort of look at ourselves, not, obviously we're oncologists, but I think that, you know, we're also doctors and we're part of medicine. So looking at ourselves as radiation medicine, as you mentioned earlier, I think potentially, uh, could, could lead to some good stuff. I like it. All right. What's, what's your career plans? Oh, good question. Uh, I love, I love Tennessee. I would love to, uh, love to stay in Tennessee, whether that's in academics or private practice, um, love to be close to home. All right, listeners, this young man, get him a job in Tennessee. (laughs) He will be a valuable addition to your practice. Austin, thank you so much for joining. This has been really fun. I appreciate you having me. This has been great. All right. Well, uh, stay. um, Thanks for listening. And until next time, this is Accelerators. Take care.